the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, August 30th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. God is great. Nose dive. They just praying that I crash. Those guys, they don't want to see you last. They take a three million dollars to buy your tax. A tub full of money, I still can't relax. Tired spinning, Lord forgive me, I'm a sinner. Conquer divide niggas. Wrong side of the petition, only divine winning. Better listen when I tell you how I put time in it. Please forgive me, God did. So leave me in the dark, swimming with the sharks. Dope boy, big calm, still a big. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Got a bunch of new products coming out at MyPillow. My Mattress. Of course, we've already talked about the Air Lindell version 2s, the My Slipper. And also to make mornings great again. My Coffee. When you enter promo code Steak at checkout, you get a big, big savings. Hit them up on the website, mypillow.com forward slash steak, mystore.com forward slash steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Lord forgive me for what the stove did, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada. He's got a five-star rating. New to redesign, easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. Feed the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, back to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today in the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 165. I'm Roan, Noah's here, Yo. Antoinette's keying up, 
Guys, we've got a great show coming in for you. Two America First interviews and two great guests for a conversation that uh, is a little bit more health-related. Welcome. And before we get into any of that, let's get into the news. Like Antifa, is very concerned about the existence of something called fascists. But like Antifa, the Biden administration has never defined the term fascist, or really any of the terms it throws around, including equity. So who are these fascists who are threatening our country? Well, of course, anyone who disagrees with Joe Biden is by definition a fascist. And last week, those of us who suspected that was the definition were not surprised to see him define it pretty precisely. And what turned out to be one of the most chilling statements ever made by an American president, he declared that Republicans are, quote, semi-fascists. Mm. Really? You don't like me? You're a fascist? The White House has since confirmed that Joe Biden meant what he said. So that is effectively a declaration of war against half the country. What do we do to fascists? Well, we fought a war to kill them. By the way, at the same moment that Biden is accusing Republicans of fascism, his DHS has published a cartoon on Facebook urging children to report their parents to federal authorities if their parents post something called COVID disinformation, because that's not Soviet or anything. What the hell is going on? Blake Masters is running for the United States Senate from Arizona to change this. New polling from the Trafalgar Group shows he's within three points of the incumbent in that state, Mark Kelly. Blake Masters joins us now. Uh, Blake, thank, thanks so much for coming on. So encouraging, the Biden administration is encouraging children to inform on their parents. How are they getting away with that? Well, we're not going to let them get away with it, Tucker. We're going to punish them in November. But leave it to the left, right? They push the craziest stuff. And then they call us the extremists. My opponent in Arizona, Mark Kelly, that's his shtick. He pretends to be moderate. And then he says, oh, Blake, Blake is uh, extreme. Blake is dangerous. Yeah. You know what's extreme? You know what's dangerous? What's actually happening? What Mark Kelly and the rest of the Democrats are doing to our country. On Joe Biden's watch, the Dems have destroyed our economy. They've destroyed our border security. You know, crime is going through the roof. And Tucker, the schools, they're indoctrinating our kids. They're teaching boys to cut off their... I mean, my God, mm. right? And now this latest thing, Biden's DHS. Johnson? They're trying to recruit children to rat out their parents for questioning some official COVID narrative. This is straight from Mao's cultural revolution. This is Chinese Communist Party stuff. And it's Joe Biden. It's his sidekick, Mark Kelly. These Democrats, they're the authoritarians. They're the ones behaving like fascists. Well, by definition, if you're trying to separate children from their parents, break apart the family so you can have more control over the country, I mean, I think that's the definition of authoritarianism. That's it. And it, Tucker, I'm so glad you said that. It all goes back to the Democrats trying to destroy the family. You know, whatever the issue is that the Dems are shrieking about today, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's climate change, maybe it's systemic racism. No, ultimately their goal is to separate, to drive a wedge between children and their parents. For the left, it's about creating this new red guard, right? Training this new generation of activists who are gonna go and try to erase our history and destroy our country. But we're not gonna let them get away with it. Like our kids do not belong to Joe Biden. Thank goodness, no, right? And our kids yeah. don't belong to the government. We need to protect families. We need to help families. Only Republicans are going to do that. And it's why we have to have a great November. It's why we need to take back the US Senate. It's why I'm gonna beat Mark Kelly. Some Republicans uh, will do that. And you're, I think you're one of them. So I appreciate you coming on tonight. Blake Masters. Mm. Good to hear Blake on uh, Tucky last night. Yeah. And 
again, welcome to our listenership. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time today, well, welcome again. This is Steak for Breakfast. So, yeah, piggybacking off of those comments we heard from, and believe me, we roll our eyes as hard as we can in air quote when we say rally. Mm. Joe Biden held last week two dozens at a high school location somewhere in Maryland. Um, he reiterated and doubled down on his commentary, uh, calling, well, essentially all Republicans. It was it was this basket of deplorables moments, uh, semi-fascists. And, yeah, when you just kind of look at it from the outside, looking in and, and, you know, try to see how everybody's reacting to this, it's... it's Well, the weapon, weaponization of people's children, mm-hmm. and you're going to get that where, you know, people from a different you know, millennials, boomers, whatever, a different era, basically. You're going to have adults that disagree with their children and children that disagree with their adults. That's just natural. But what we have here is these people are being radicalized, these children are being radicalized, and they're getting bonus points and street cred from from all the just outlandish shit that they're doing, whether they're, you know, cutting off the Johnson or just going crazy and like burning down buildings and rioting. So if they can score points with, you know, the credibility department by turning in their own parents, like fuck man, that's just epic. Oh, it is. And you know, we keep trying to remind everybody and that literature that they were referencing was from a new page that's up on the department of Homeland security's website, encouraging people to, essentially rat on their parents if they're spreading COVID misinformation, which all information is COVID misinformation, according to them. Until it's not. Right. So, and and we did see a lot of the larger pundits out there trying to take a victory lap on, you know, the official not funding of the Ministry of Truth from the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, and the COVID misinformation is, is the, way you, the way you look at COVID and the information and or misinformation all depends on how brainwashed you are. And unfortunately, a lot of our youth are being indoctrinated by the school systems, social media, TikTok, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you don't think TikTok and China are laughing their way to the bank when they watch our our youth just being more useless than they already were. Mm. It's kind of bad. Sure is. I do want to re- remind everybody, and I'm, I'm citing an article right now from the New York Post, dated June 16th, 2022, and this was after the fallout from the uh, appropriation hearings for Alejandro Mayorkas and, the, and the, the budgetary approval for the Department of Homeland Security next year. I remember back from June, the Biden administration announced on Thursday it created a new Internet policy task force. This one led by Vice President Kamal Harris with goals including developing programs and policies to protect political figures and journalists from disinformation, abuse, and harassment. So they essentially not fund the one for DHS and they just create their own standalone one and give Kamala Harris the title of heading it. But we're still paying for it. Yes. I also saw yesterday Joe Biden um, was going to be hiring like a uh, disinfo SAR to combat online disinformation. He was one of the most notable Hunter Biden laptop deniers and was one of the 52 former intelligence officials to sign the letter to the president saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story was a Russian op. It's weird how this is uh, the same circle of people that they keep drawing out of. 
Mm, strange. Just, just like last week when we talked about all of the FBI agents who originally worked on Russiagator, the same ones that went from the D.C. field office all the way down to Mar-a-Lago to raid the president's home. That's a conspiracy theory. So weird. I do Until it's not. I do want to circle back and let our listenership hear to part of that Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast where we played the Joe Biden going crazy audio um, to his dozens of followers at the uh, high school gymnasium. Dozens. Let's catch up real quick. And we're not going to let anyone or anything tear America apart. Oh. I'll close with this. Huh? Squinting to we're see the We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. Mm. They're a threat to our very democracy. Oh. They refuse to accept the will of the people. Oh. They embrace, embrace political violence. Mm. They don't believe in democracy. This is why in this moment, those of you who love this country, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, mainstream? must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America Ooh, they must have than typed the MAGA Republicans are destroying America. Oh, scissor me timbers. Got him. I think, uh, what, what did he call him? No, what did he call Republicans? Oh, mainstream. Main, mainstream? I, belie- the I believe media? that's like a nice way of saying establishment. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to I'd circle back to part of that. Like, when has mainstream ever been, like, a good thing? Like, Well, I mean, where we're at right now, it's certainly farthest from anything good and wholesome that helps us out. So, but yeah, that you know, we're all semi-fascist now, in addition to being DVEs and all the other names that they come up with us. Uh, Ultra MAGA and Dark MAGA and all that other crap. Um, You know KGP wasn't going to be able to escape commentary like that from the uh, podium at the White House press pool, and yesterday she was challenged on that exact rhetoric. Uh, Let's hear her response to uh, the semi-fascist comments. When the president speaks about guns tomorrow in Wilkes-Barre, is there a, a new policy he's going to be laying out? What can you tell us about what he's going to say on that issue tomorrow? I have some 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 uh, preview for you on this. So tomorrow, President Biden will be traveling about about his Safer America plan and the simple basic that notion that when it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer isn't to defund the police, it's to fund the police. Uh, he will highlight how his plan would invest 100 right more cops for effective, accountable community policing that builds public trust and strengthens public safety. Um, and as part of the American Rescue Plan, you've heard us say this, God. that the President Biden signed into law last year, we sent $350 billion to local governments to keep cops on the beat. And in contrast, every Republic in Congress voted against the funding for law enforcement, and Trump, also Donald Trump, cut $400 billion from his budget for state and local law enforcement. Also so false. the president's going to talk about how he brought uh, the Democrats and Republicans together earlier this month to pass the most significant safety law in 30 years. He'll talk about how we have built on that momentum and how we must act on ban assault weapons. You'll hear that uh, from, from him as well. Uh, so again, a majority of, of Americans support this when we talk about banning assault weapons. The NRA opposes it. Uh, and so we are going to hear uh, from the president about about the importance uh, of making sure that we protect our communities. You know, the president has been really clear that congressional Republicans, that extreme uh, MAGA uh, agenda that you heard him talk about uh, last week is a threat to the rule
rule of law. Mm -hmm. uh, we will say that he will say that you can't propose the funding the FBI or defund the mob that stormed the Capitol and attacked and assaulted police officers on January 6th and pre and be pro police. And that's what you're going to do. And we're back there. Yeah, that's bullshit. So what, how is she claiming this shit? Well, it, it's very easy. I, I wrote it down at rule number one, do your research. So after Donald Trump and the Republicans lost the Senate in 2018, the omnibus bill that funded the government in 2019 had a lot of stuff written into it. And this is what they do. So the Dems were in control of the of the House, and, and the Senate was 50-50, and, and what they did was they tied programs, community-based programs, state-based funding into the omnibus bill, and it's like, we're going to have, and I'm just giving broad examples, these aren't exact specifics, if you don't fund transvestite story time hour for elementary school kids, the exact tie to the funding goes to additional programs for law enforcement in no way shape or form and i don't even think that they physically do this the federal government zero percentedly defunded any kind of state local township county-based police departments nationwide they go off of that 400 million dollar number as essentially pork that was pulled out of the the last uh trump budget because they, they just led to absolutely bridges to nowheres and, you know, getting commentary from racist bridges and roads on why they are such. Oh, those racist bridges. Now, if there was going to be additional funding from the federal government that goes into, like, police recruitment and community outreach events and things like that, they were lost in the wash because they're tied directly to garbage that is not America first. And um, the solution to that is to win the House and Senate so you don't have that stuff in the bill. Yep. But uh, they're using it as a talking point, even though it can't be any further from the truth. Donald Trump and the Trump White House never defunded the police. And I, I highly doubt that there's ever been a White House who supported law enforcement more than Donald Trump has. And you could see that whenever, you know, for instance, when we went to uh, the Phoenix rally. Like, how disingenuous can you be? Like, oh, we're supporting law enforcement. You know, the thing. Like, fuck you, liar. Yeah, they're the first ones that want to federally investigate any local cop who gets into a skirmish with anybody. Yeah, sorry, you were saying the rally in Arizona. Yeah, when, I'm sorry, not Phoenix, the Prescott rally. When we went out there, Dan Scavino put up that amazing video of the police escort that Donald Trump got to the private airfield and then him shaking hands and meeting all the cops. Like, politicians come and go. Listen, no one's going to line up like that for Joe Biden and, and, and pose for a photo op unless they're forced. And that's just yeah. the fact of the matter. We're getting paid double time. Right, and they, they, wouldn't all be, they wouldn't all be smiling like that as well. But if you do want to talk about mainstream Republicans, I can't think of one any bigger, both literally and figuratively, Oop. than uh, the RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel Romney. And uh, she had some commentary about these comments that Joe Biden made, as, as she'll probably try to attach it as her pearl-clutching moment for established Republicans as they're heading into the midterm elections. Let's hear it. On division, they use fear, they call Republicans' names, and I think the American people are really sick of it right now because right now people are hurting. They are worried about their livelihood, their money is, is not coming in at the level they need to, to keep up with expenses. We know inflation is an issue, we know that drugs are an issue, and so they're saying, why are you continuing to double down on division? Can we just talk about how we fix problems that everyday Americans are feeling right now in this country? And that's why we can send any money to the to the RNC or the, or the GOP. You do, donate directly to the candidates who are going to fix this stuff. 
She is talking about after nearly two years of this repressive regime absolutely destroying our country on every level. For those maybe that haven't seen it yet, um, the green zone in Baghdad is falling. Oh, good. And you'd never believe it. Shocker and spoiler alert. It's uh, Muqtada al-Sadr, one of the people who spent quite a few years in jail with former ISIS leader after Donald Trump turned him to, into a shadow on the wall, uh, al-Baghdadi, they were in the same prison and, and released under the guise of we're being mean again like Guantanamo Bay. Oh, no. Uh, this guy was someone who collaborated with uh, Zarqawi and uh, Saddam Hussein's sons in Iraq during the uh, reinvasion back in, in 2003 and uh, was sent to prison and radically transformed a whole bunch of people there, and then they just released him onto the streets where he went and... and you know, wants to do his radical extremist stuff again, and, and that's kind of what's going on there. So the Green Zone's been under heavy assault for the last 48 hours, and uh, I couldn't think of anything better literally on the, on the anniversary of the, of the Afghanistan withdrawal than, that, you know, the, the coalition-controlled portion of Baghdad falling. Absolutely amazing. So, but, but that's the things that, you know, those establishment Republicans want to keep doing. They're like, oh, yeah, why can't we just come to, There is no more coming together. No. There is winning the House and Senate. There is stopping this regime from Im- implementing these America last policies worldwide. There is investigations, hopefully impeachments, and then we move on to the 2024 general election. Listen, if they can come up with a comprehensive solution to Joe Biden on the Democrat side, ask the 17 people who ran against Donald Trump in 2016 how that fared for him. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Very poor performance from Ron McDaniel. One thing I didn't expect to hear from, and it's weird because now we're playing them on back-to-back weeks. I'm not a huge fan just because of how, I don't know, fair weather he is. But Joe Rogan was talking about all the stuff that happened during COVID, how this affected pretty much the entire country, how he saw it from the outside looking in. You know, remember when MSNBC targeted him, they changed his color gray when he, you know, took the alternative therapies for covid when he caught it yeah they radicalized him and, and and basically where he's at now so what he's doing is uh they got into a you know a little spiel on the midterm elections and uh well i mean for someone who you know really isn't a republican he just seems like he's kind of right in the middle and he votes with whoever seems cool to him i was pretty surprised to actually hear his commentary on this let's hear it i've today had ever experienced a true pandemic and i'm hoping that now that this is over people are going to you know, recognize that some serious errors were made and not repeat those. That's the best you can get out of it. So what do you tell those people? Vote Republican. (laughs) Wow. That's what a lot of them are going to do anyway. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, more than a million people transferred over to the Republican Party, uh, I think, in 2021 alone. Find out what that number is. But, you know, you look at guys like Ron DeSantis, who kept Florida open and, okay. and had He's pretty DeSantis reasonable bro. policies in terms of, like, what what to do about COVID. And, you know, he mapped it out on television. He was, you know, widely criticized for this, where he was saying, like, we need to protect our elders. We need to, you know, make sure that medical care is available for, for those people and everyone else. You should be able to do whatever you want to do. You know, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, actually, when I was watching a portion of that podcast, you remember how he said, like, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have Donald Trump on here anyway. I think the only person that would help is him. Just imagine Donald Trump. You know, any reporter that he sits down with, if they say something that's completely bullshit, he'll just, like, straight up push back on him. Mm-hmm. Like, no, not the way it happened. And I could just. Joe. Yeah. Joe, you're better than that. They turned you gray. <laughs> 
But, you know, it, it's one of those things where even the people who don't want – listen, I, I really think when it comes to the big scheme of things, I think Joe Rogan says it for ratings, but but he really has no interest in being involved in politics whatsoever. I mean, they're literally sitting does, there. Does he even need the ratings anymore? Well, that's true. But, you know, I, I just think to bring in people who don't normally listen. Maybe just to stay more relevant. Yeah, because if he's going to be bringing on, like, let's just say these conspiracists or conspiracy theorists or people who, uh, you know, champion alternative therapies and then, like, the CBD and the THC and all the other stuff that they do. Like, those episodes don't really resonate with the same people who are coming in just for Alex Jones or when he has Tim Pool on or somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? And And I feel like... But at the end of the day, it's like he probably takes a step back and he's like, okay, parts of my life sucked and probably parts of my life still suck for me, my family, my children. Even though I'm super rich and, and normally this stuff doesn't affect me because of what this government did to us during COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably just wants nothing to do with anything like this again. Remember, that's the thing that we've been talking about for almost close to two years now. The rich, the absolute elites, they want one thing. They want to go back to their normal lives where they could jump on a show, give a two-minute drive-by headline talking point, and go back to screw, screwing their pool boy or gardener. They don't want anything to do with, like, literally all my stocks are failing. Like, literally, I have a good chance of getting, like, carjacked, assaulted, yeah, they raped, don't, they don't murdered want, every time I leave the house. Yeah, they just want their bottom line to not get affected and still go back to doing what they're doing. Yeah, we want all the – if the normal people have to get vaccines and masks, I don't want it for my kids. It just doesn't work like that anymore. Mm-mm. Uh, it's now, you know, you're going to be an experiment and you're going to be part of the big project and you're going to eat the bugs and eventually live in a, my pod, Mm. um, you know, enter promo code, stake at checkout. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's, it's the fact of the matter. They, they, we, we've reached a point to where now the elites are feeling you've had like, like I said, Joe Rogan come out and commentate on it. You have Jeff Bezos come out and commentate on how this is like a shitty regime that we have in place right now. That's someone who's like. Elon Musk come out and talk about it and say he voted Republicans and and he'll probably vote Republicans in the 2024 presidential election. You know, whether or not it's just for attention, you don't normally see these elites coming to the table and being like, we all thought that this was going to be like the golden era for us. And it's actually worse than ever imaginable. Well, yeah, I mean, Bezos is I mean, the (laughs) the pandemic is probably the catalyst for him being even richer. Yeah. Because every, I mean, if you weren't already ordering everything on Amazon, you fucking are now. Mm. But for him to jump off the fucking totem pole of I'm supporting Joe Biden, that that is pretty wild. That just means that it's just. And, and we'll be breaking <laughs> it down on eating itself. Yeah, on our Friday edition of the show. But I do want to reiterate the fact off of KJP's comments: Joe Biden will deliver a primetime address to the nation. Warning. Is it going to be live? That our rights are under attack from MAGA fascists on Ooh. Thursday night. Is it going to be live or is it going to be edited together like Max Headroom? Who the hell knows? Who I'm the- Joe Biden. You know, I, I, I love how interactive our audience is with us. I saw last night, and we're just talking about this stuff and, and why we have to vote for change. Someone actually put their friggin' electric bill in our comments last night. <laughs> and Did they redact it at least? Yeah, they just sent in the portion of the bill where it's like the disclaimer about how much you're going to get screwed. Mm, perfect. Yeah, so... Didn't I read mine in, from California? You did, yeah. and, and it's, it's with the super ultra MAGA wattage hours now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the thing was, they, they put in this this little piece of the thing, and it's like, all right, your, your 
so your usage has gone from like 0.1 and a whole bunch of numbers to 0.2, which is like a 6% increase. However, and there's a picture of Greta Thunberg next to it. How, <laughs> how dare, dare you? However, the output from the electric company has gone down a full 3%. So even though he was so only, now it's more expensive. He was including his he was increasing his wattage hours by 0.1 to 0.2 and then the outage from the electric company was going up a full 3%. Guess how much his bill was going up? Uh, a lot. 58%. <laughs> how crazy is that? How crazy is that? And, uh, yeah, this is where we're, we're getting really slammed right now. And it, that's the same kind of things that we're feeling it in the wallet at the grocery store. And, and that guy was that was his electric bill. We're not maybe talking about natural gas when the winter comes, and then you know filling up your cars and just everything. Um, in our last audio clip of the segment, I saw Stephen Miller jumped on Fox News last night. And I like to hear him every time he talks because he's a straight shooter and was one of the strongest uh, you know top advisors in the Trump administration. But he, he was talking about the rise of of, of tyranny from this regime and uh, kind of put a good spin on it. So let's check it out. Of course, this is an administration that has launched a political raid of his chief political opponent's home to seize and steal his property and his documents. So what you are seeing is a classic technique of tyrants and authoritarians where they use the methods of dictatorship while accusing their opponents of being fascist. This administration is authoritarian and repressive. This so, yeah, that's kind of where he was at, you know, in, in regards to reflectively talking about how this this whole situation is crazy. He kind of brought the Mar-a-Lago incident into it. We'll talk about that and some of the other news in, in our second news block. But we're seeing so many things that, that just aren't normal and and not status quo for how the government's supposed to be run now. And I, I think we're getting past the the point where congressional investigations and inquiries are going to just not be enough. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they they banned a sitting president from social media, fake impeached him two times. They literally have jailed his supporters and anyone who's in opposition to the government. And and now they've raided his home And, and then take a pause fuck up a couple more things worldwide. Now that the, the sitting resident of the United States is getting ready to go on primetime television Thursday night and, and tell us to our faces that we're fascists. And it a hundred percent is not going to be live. <laughs> Probably not. But at the, at the same time, like everything that I just said, there is literally true and literally factual. It's like, we're living in some, you know, superhero or, or, you know, a spy novel. And we've just reached the point to where, how do we pump the brakes? We pump the brakes at the ballot box. The, regardless of all the other shiny drive-by, look-at-me things that are going on right now, there's no way that we could ever focus on anything. Like, they're going to come after the kids. They're going to continue to do, like, the drag queen stuff. They're going to, you know, we saw Mayor Bowser last week. She's in court right now because the mandate she put up for school in Washington, D.C. regarding the vaccination. Uh, if you don't get vaccinated before school starts next week, you, number one, cannot attend school, and number two, will not be offered remote learning. Now, keep in mind, 
kids that are air quoting now fully vaccinated can receive online learning if they don't want to go to in-person school, which I think is absolutely horrible. But at the same time, she's making it like if you don't get in line and turn your kid into a science experiment, then you're not going to afford them the chance to get an education, which is illegal and unconstitutional. It looks like that's what the court's going to be looking at. But, but that's neither here nor there. We have to keep in, in, in mind, like that's just one small microcosm of the larger problem, but this is the stuff that they're going to try and distract you with. Every time we get over the target, they'll start to show, like, you know, Antifa and America First supporters pushing each other outside of, like, uh, a trans event for killed children or, like I said, the vaccine stuff. Or they'll start showing what's going on in, in Baghdad right now, which is not good at all. I can't imagine how many uh, more billions and billions of dollars Donald Trump is going to talk about us wasting uh, if we actually lose the green zone there. So we're going to have to, you know, kind of keep track on this thing, but uh, we'll switch gears now and jump in with some uh, America First candidates. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's the author behind Man's World. His newest book, The Eggs Benedict, is screaming up the charts right now. Very pleased to have him back. And in addition to him, he's brought the, uh, well, all-time favorite Steak for Breakfast guest who contributed and wrote the forward to his newest, the Rye Nationalist, Norbin Lawden. Guys, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having us. Great to be with you as always. Oh, this is absolutely our pleasure to have you guys here today. Ren, how's everything going with you? Uh, Congratulations on the launch of the new book and its massive success. And uh, I'm sure you're pretty pleased to see where it's at right now. Why don't you give our listenership a little bit of uh, insight onto what it's about? Thank you. Yeah, it's um, so this is my biggest book so far. This is... um, my magnum opus. Uh, it is about the Great Reset broadly, but in particular, it's about the food aspect of the Great Reset. Now, if you say to people, "Oh, the Great Reset," then they're likely to say something like, "Oh, you will eat the bugs, you'll live in the pod, that kind of stuff." You know, I mean, they they, they get they get a, a basic idea of what's going on. But what the book is is it's the most it's the most detailed attempt to actually look at what the globalists really want to do to the way that we eat as a means of controlling us, basically. So I go into great detail about this thing called the planetary health diet, which has been dreamt up by a World Economic World Economic Forum affiliated group called the Eat Foundation, which is a not-for-profit uh, foundation established by some Norwegian billionaires. Um, and basically it's this... It's this plan for a new global diet for the world population of 10 billion people in 2050. The the diet is almost entirely plant-based. And uh, certainly it's, it, it uh, kind of offends, certainly offends my sensibilities and is, uh, you know, sort of the the opposite of basically everything that I advocate. So I go into detail in the book about why the diet, uh, why the diet would be extremely bad news for anybody eating it. And uh, I make a detailed comparison with the events of the, of the first agricultural revolution, which took place in the near East about 10,000 years ago. So that's the invention of grain agriculture. Uh, I make a detailed comparison with that. Um, But the book isn't just descriptive. So I'm not just, um, I'm not just trying to depress everybody by telling them about all of the sort of elaborate preparations that the globalists have made to uh, to ruin our lives. There's also the eggs Benedict option. That's the that's the second half of the book. That's my answer to the Great Reset. 
which involves a return to small-scale agriculture. Uh, I look at Russian household farming, which is it's really incredible, really incredible practice that um, the Russians engage in, where basically ordinary people produce a large proportion of their own food in their gardens. Um, I talk about regenerative agriculture as well on a larger scale, people like Joel Salatin, um, and, and tie it all together by suggesting that this sort of return to small-scale agriculture could be the basis of a new renewed nationalism and populism that would um, hopefully help us beat off the globalists for good. Yeah, it sounds like uh, an absolute treat to say the least and, and very informative and things that we need to be you know, tied into right now in regards to there's so many distractive measures going on in the world, you know, world leaders getting disposed or stepping down or getting voted out. We've had crisis after crisis all over the planet in regards to things like Afghanistan, now Iraq, and then you look at the global economy and the energy crisis. They're, they're, they're sneaking in these little things like the destruction, essentially, of the food chain and, and natural food productions and making it to where man, it's almost like I could preview it in my head. It's like the movie will eventually show how everybody like, you know, works in in some kind of factory and gets like a little bowl of plant paste. And then meanwhile, the elites sit up in in their tower and it's the only place left on the planet where there's chickens and cows and fish and stuff like that. And they enjoy it to to keep their heavy hand over us. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's something that I talk about at length, the, the the ongoing descent into madness that we're that we're witnessing um for instance there was a i think it was a new york times article the other day actually which or the other day i say a couple of months ago that made it into the book um the title was uh you want to eat meat in this economy um and it was all about the fact that actually the inflation that's that's taking place that is pricing people out of meat eating is a good thing for the planet blah 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 but the, the interesting thing is that the author of this opinion piece um, talks about the Lever Act, which is a, a little-known act that was enacted, I think, in 1917 when America entered the First World War that allowed the government to uh, go house-to-house house basically confiscating food supplies. Um, and the author of this article says, you know, oh, that was a good thing. Maybe we'll see something similar in the future. So. Yeah the depths to which we'll sink, I think, I, 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 I just don't know, but there could be some really crazy stuff yeah, seizing, around the corner. Seizing your meat freezer for the greater good doesn't seem like something that I'd be too on board with. How about you, Noah? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I took a screenshot, and I don't know if this is like a joke or not, but it, it's got the World Economic Forum logo on it, and it, it's this little uh, pie chart. That yeah, says, it's real. It's real? Yeah. I was just trying to like research mm-hmm. and figure out if it was real, but... What will our diets look like in 2030? And there's this pie chart. Seed oils. Hmm. Oils like canola are more sustainable, plus reduce levels of toxic testosterone. Toxic masculinity? I hate that toxic masculinity. Intermittent fasting. We will eat 40% less food in 2030 to meet net zero. This is good for our waistlines and good for the planet. You can eat nothing and be happy. (laughs) Alternative proteins. A third of our protein will come from soy-based proteins. Lab-grown meat and... Upcycled citizens? Mm. Are you sure this is real? Yeah. That's Soylent Green. Yeah. No. Delicious. It's not real. This can't be real. It can't be real. It can't be real. It can't be real. It's super real. It can't be real. There's no way. I mean, they're just saying the quiet part out loud. It can't be real. 
it's a take on the reality of it. <laughs> micro livestock. Two-thirds of our protein needs will come from micro livestock like cockroaches, flies, and worms. Do you never heard of that? Synthetic nutrients? Cockroach milks? So I guess I hadn't read all of the pie chart. Gra- that, that's not real. Can you milk a cockroach, Greg? <laughs> I have nipples. First of all, nice giggle. You don't do it enough on the show. We need more of it. <laughs> Switching gears, though, and speaking about alternative proteins... Norbin Laden, one of our favorite guests of all time, one of my great friends, an amazing writer. Uh, what went into your mind frame when, well, first of all, this collaboration couldn't be more based when you put you two guys together. But to, to get down and, and write the forward for this book, no one's combating the world economic more than you two, nor you've talked about it ex- extensively on the show. You've paid them a couple visits with Trump one signs in the past, and now you're 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 out here writing the forward to this amazing book that's hitting the market right now. What did you take and use as your motivation for it? Listen, well, first of all, I was very honored that Ren asked me to write the, the forward because I have great admiration for, for Ren and all the work he's been doing. He's such a valiant globalist warrior uh, in the movement. And uh, for those who are finding out about Ren uh, for the first time tuning in, You know, he's very prolific. Uh, And aside from the book, which is a must read, there are so many other works that Ren has been doing for the past couple of years that needs uh, to be checked out. And uh, the the thing that came to my mind when I when I was asked was, as I said, it was a great honor. And then I wrote the book. And so the pressure was doubled (laughs) to do a good job because the book is so good. And uh, listen, it's it's. I share uh, all the ideas that uh, that Ren has exposed in the book, and it's also something that I've been studying for for quite a while. So for me, what was important to do uh, with the foreword was to frame the book and 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 do it justice, and also give uh, context, overall context, to what the globalists have been doing for the past hundred years at least, and. Um, in the course and the in the in the span in this time span, they've really done everything in their power to make us weak, sick, and infertile. Because you know the globalists' agenda is a eugenicist agenda, and I mean we could do a whole entire uh, show about uh, their depopulation yes. program. Uh, and you know, quotes in a more uh, PC uh, term, their control the population control. And one of the main fronts of that war against humanity is uh, is their attempts to poison us yeah. through the food that we consume. And as Ren mentioned earlier, it wasn't just doing a descriptive job uh, that he wanted to do with the, with the book, although that was needed to expose everything. And one of the things that I appreciated with the book is that it is in conjecture, as I wrote in the foreword, all of the information that Ren puts in the book is straight up data or words that came straight uh, from their mouths or published uh, in official statements. And so it makes the book that much stronger. And, uh, and it's important that all this information comes to light and is brought to the wider public, which I think the book will achieve. And what I found amazing is that not only do you have the first part that deals with all this, this very depressing material, as Ren pointed out, but there is hope in solutions that already exist and that we have to reconnect with. 
And I'm sure readers will find it as fascinating as I did to look at all these solutions in the field of regenerative agriculture. And Ren does an outstanding job giving us this introduction for us to go and do further research on that topic, which is critical uh, in terms of solutions to uh, reverse and reject the Great Reset and all these plans that they have in store for us. Because as Ren points out, it's not a question of when these changes have been made. Uh, the food that we consume is so poisoned, uh, so poisonous, and they've, they've, achieve to a great extent their plan. I mean, we just look at all the degenerative diseases, the fertility uh, rates plummeting. I mean, the list is very long and, and I treat that in the foreword and, and ran uh, more extensively in the book. Um, but um, no, it's, um, it's, about, it's about them in this stage right now, we're witnessing the acceleration they want to move from quasi-total control of the entire food supply chain yep. to total control mm-hmm. of the supply chain. And the eggs benedict option is a way out of this hellhole and uh, the way forward in terms of reclaiming something that is so basic, which is, which is the autonomy of our health and the autonomy of what we put into our own bodies. Sure. I mean, we've seen it with the, the European farmers and the, the stuff that's gone on there. There's been large components of it going on in, in you know, Africa for over a decade right now, uh, more prominently. And, and we've seen all the stuff here, the, the food supply plants. I believe there's close to 20 of them now that have been arsoned in, in the United States just in the past year. Combine that with the global supply chain uh, issues that they manufactured throughout the pandemic as part and a component of all this way to kind of choke the global uh, way of eating right. And, and it just seems like we're in a really bad situation right now. And, and a good point you made, uh, Ren, talking about when, you know, those those billionaires who are backing things like this, you know, the, the Noah Haramis, the George Soros, the Klaus Schwabs, those are like the public faces of this huge empire, it's just like, you know, the administrative state in the United States federal government, where there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of workers who kind of are the ones that grease the gears. It's the money that's coming in that allow these these pundits to talk this way. And, and But it's the people that are actually funding these things that are allowing them to have success with it on the ground right now. Well, I think I think. Um... It, it's it, it never ceases to me to amaze me how openly people like uh, this Yuval Noah Harari chap talk about what's going on about people being useless. You know, the vast majority of the of the world's population is useless now. Blah blah blah. All this kind of stuff. We don't need people. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of yes, as you say, it is. It's not just these spokespeople. It is also it is also an entire. It's a huge machine, and one of the ways that the World Economic Forum gets gets its work done is through partnerships with huge corporations. So I've talked about the Eat Foundation, um, which produced this global uh, new global diet, the Planetary Health Diet. Well, they're a part. They're a partner with thirty of the world's largest food producing corporations. Unilever, Danone, Cargill, um, all of these huge, um, all of these huge uh, corporations are totally on board with this stuff. You know, it's um, it's it's well advanced, and that's something that I that I'm trying to warn people about in the book is that actually it's not just 
it's not just Emperor Palpatine saying you will eat the bugs. It's 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 the it's the corporations whose products you're buying in the supermarket that are also laying the foundations for this new corporate tyranny. I mean, we're already sort of in a corporate tyranny already, but it's going to be even worse. So, um, so yes, I mean, it's uh, the book is a, the book is a warning. Uh, to begin with, at least, certainly. Yeah, um, I don't ever want to be feeding my kids Count Bugula for breakfast. <laughs> so that's that's a no. Nor one of the things I noticed while we were here during the pandemic is, and it goes hand in hand with this book and probably some of the stuff you collaborated with on the forward. Um, while we were going through it and everything was locked down and the global supply chain was brought to a crawl. The only thing that really ever made it to the shelves in the store consistently was junk. And, you know, especially here in the United States, it's a lot of those oils that you guys talk about, the processed foods, definitely like all the chips and cookies and candy. It seems like those, you know, entities definitely thrived during the pandemic. And now we're at a point to where, like, a lot of people have incorporated it incorporated them into their diet so much that it's become like, you know, one of the basic food groups. Did well, there's you- no there's no coincidence that you can use public assistance mm-hmm. to buy the most atrocious garbage ever because they don't want they don't want you to be healthy. Energy drinks and hot Cheetos. I mean, I like both of those things, but <laughs> but nor did, did you see some of the similar things in Europe where where as much of those normal uh you know grown and, and and harvested things were lacking thereof and then you just saw everything kind of replaced with junk listen i think uh the situation is more dire in the u.s than in europe but throughout the western world our diets are so impoverished but you really i mean what you consume essentially uh, is not food uh, they're, they're a bunch of chemicals put together. But in Europe, especially more towards the Mediterranean, Mediterranean I would say you do still have uh, people that value producing locally and who make an effort to go to local markets. It's much more in the culture, I would say, than, uh, than in other parts of the world and certainly in, in the U.S. It's a cultural thing, yes. That's good to hear. Ren, you were telling us off air before the show started, you're going to be featured in a pretty big documentary that's going to be coming out in the fall. You want to let our listenership hear about that? I'd love to, yes. This is The End of Men. It's a new Tucker Carlson original documentary. It's about 45 minutes long, and it's about it's about the crisis of masculinity in America and more broadly in the civilized world. And uh, some of the some of the listeners may be familiar with the reaction to the trailer, uh, which dropped in June, I think it was, um, as a little teaser, um, which uh, <laughs> drew some absolutely sort of bewildered reactions from liberals, from people like George Takei <laughs> and and all these other people. It was a uh, oh my, uh, it, it was this sort of uh, bombastic trailer. Starts off with um, very, a famous speech by John F. Kennedy talking about sort of the health of the nation, and then you've got Robert Kennedy Jr., his nephew, talking about declining sperm rates and uh, you know, t- testosterone levels of sperm rates, all that kind of stuff. And then there's this incredibly funny and de- very deliberately provocative uh, montage of, of well-muscled men sort of wrestling and and um, tan- and, and and most and most sort of. Um, Funnily of all, there's this chap tanning his testicles with a juve machine to the uh, to the strains of uh, "Thus Spake Zarathustra" 
the famous uh, music from 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> and in, anyway the, the the left liberal media just flipped out about it and said that it was you know tucker's tucker's repressed homoeroticism coming through tucker's you know sort of uh fascist streak coming out uh you know sort of the glorification of the body all that kind of stuff but it's actually it's actually a totally serious documentary about an incredibly well an existential threat i would say to humankind which is which is declining testosterone levels and fertility rates. Um, and, you know, there's a book out by a woman called uh, Professor Shanna Swan called Countdown. And uh, her prediction, she's a reproductive health expert, Mount Sinai. And her prediction is that by 2050, uh, the median man will have a zero sperm count. And yeah. what that means is that half of all men will have no sperm. And the other half will have so few sperm as to be functionally infertile. So it's very, very possible that actually within decades, it could be impossible for humans to reproduce without artificial assistance. Mm. Just and, and it seems to be the case that as well as, as, well as it being um, uh, caused by sedentary lifestyles, bad diets, all that kind of stuff. It's also a, a chemical assault on our bodies through all sorts of estrogenic chemicals, which are basically everywhere. We're, sw we're swimming in them because, because of plastics mainly and because of other industrial processes. So it, it's a, it's a, it is actually a very, very serious um, subject. But Tucker got together a band of um, Anon uh, right-wing bodybuilders, including myself, to... Uh, lay out our worldview and um, film some montages and some, some funny sequences. Uh, but um, it, en it ends up being actually at least half of the documentaries or almost half of the documentaries, me talking, which is quite a surprise, but um, I, th I think pe people are going to love it. It will, it will annoy the right people and delight the right people as well. And hopefully inform a lot of them. Yeah. Yes. That's the most important. And you want to know what? I'll be honest with you, Ren. I could listen to you talk all day. I'm sitting here like fanboying. Just yeah. To, the velvetiness of your voice. Well, so Ron and I just had an, <laughs> had an Amazon shopping cart duel. Yeah, I beat him. I, I actually had the book in my shopping cart, and then he showed me that he just bought it. So can't wait to read it. There you go. Nora, I do want to switch gears. You're usually in to do the news with us. You're one of our best political analysts and commentators that we've ever had on this show, and we really appreciate everything that you've got. You Obviously, guys are the best. No, Thank you. You are. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure you saw last week J Joe Biden had his uh, basket of deplorables moments by calling everyone who's associated Donald Trump and supports him uh, MAGA fascists. He's getting ready to do mm -hmm. a primetime, probably pre-recorded, address to the nation on Thursday where he's going to talk about how the Americans' rights are under attack from these said MAGA fascists. And uh, outside looking in, we know nobody loves America and making it great again than you do. Uh, what do you think is going to you know, be the end game in this with the midterm elections coming up? Well, let's see if he manages to string more than a few sentences together as usual. I mean, depends on how much drug they, they inject in, inject in him, I, I guess. But before we go into U.S. politics, there's just one more thing I wanted to add about Ren's book and this upcoming documentary that we've been discussing, the, the Tucker doc Get it. on masculinity. I think it's very important that people get the book, read it, and also watch the documentary when it comes out uh, this fall because it is essential that we understand that a biological and chemical war is being waged against us. And it's going on on so many different fronts, 
Ren focuses on uh, the food aspect and everything surrounding that and how it's disrupting, you know, uh, our hormonal systems, you know, with this, Ren, I'm sure you can jump in with the more specific terms, but, you know, the endocrine disruptors that we find in in different, quote, food um, uh, products or fertilizers, chemical uh, products that are that are being used in uh, producing uh, these quote again foods, and fertility is is definitely an issue uh, in the long term. You know, twenty fifty is not that far away. No, but just in general, you see that that our our bodies are deteriorating we have so many there's a slew of degenerative diseases our dna is being downgraded in in different aspects and what we need to understand is that this has been done deliberately because weak populations are easier to control and uh, we've reached this point after tremendous amounts of social engineering operations throughout the past hundred years at least and uh we really need to look at the actual history of the 20th century to understand how we even got to this point in order to uh, to enact the necessary remedies. And the ex-Benedict option is a great starting point, and people really need to, to read what Ren has to say about the solutions with regards to what we put into our own bodies, as I mentioned earlier. Yes, it is a, it is a war that is being waged on our bodies, on our health, on our autonomy. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I still, I think more people are waking up every day, but, but equally I, I do, uh, the last two years have been, a, have been a pretty bruising experience. I think for anybody who cares about human liberty, um, you know, t- to see what people will, will put up with, but yeah, I think, uh, I think getting the word out is, uh, well, that's that's the best thing that I can do, and so this is this is my contribution to trying to really trying to wake people up as much as possible. It's written in the most accessible way imaginable and uh, or possible, and it's um, and I stick to the facts. I stick to the facts. I'm not engaging in wild speculation or anything like that. I le- I leave that to other people. It's just what the globalists say they're going to do when they when they say they're going to do it. Yeah, we definitely are under attack. And now it's, uh, you know, the focus has switched from a lot of societal aspects and more laser focused on our bodies. Nor, you still want to give a hot take on uh, what you've been seeing from the outside looking in American politics right now and currently where we're at heading into the midterms? No, absolutely. You know, and I've been tweeting about this the past few days, but it's so obvious to me and to many others that they're clearly trying to uh, foment or give the illusion that people on the right, uh, people who support President Trump, are going to cause some sort of uh, havoc. You know, they're going to build. They're building this narrative and setting up the stage to to justify further crackdown, further crackdowns on American citizens' rights. You know, just like January sixth, and then more right. recently after the raid in Mar-a-Lago, you had that guy in Cincinnati. And ahead of the midterms, we're going to see um, many more such events. Uh, and what you just mentioned about this address that Biden is is going to give, I mean, they're just ramping up the division, ramping up the provocations. 
and the smears of essentially half of the population uh, labeling them as domestic terrorists, which we know is completely um, false. And uh, can you say injurious? Is that a word in English? Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 pure slander. And the proof is that uh, Trump supporters are just not violent people. And there's there's this stat that I remember I had read a long time ago. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was ahead of the 2020 election or right after. And um, it was part of this whole January 6th narrative saying that Trump supporters were violent, et cetera. And the Gateway Pundit had published this article um, stating that there had been at least 80 Trump rallies uh, between September and the election, early November, uh, that gathered over a million Trump supporters in total. And there hadn't been a single case of violence. So they're trying to, to, to portray conservatives and Trump supporters as something they're absolutely not. And they'll go to great lengths to give the illusion, even to the point of getting FBI assets to give the impression that there is chaos that, you know, I mean, we know we, they, they glow, as we say, the feds, they glow in these types of operations. And now we're completely wise to it. But expect that uh, these types of operations are going to intensify ahead of the midterms for sure. Yeah, they certainly And the kind of rhetoric. Yep. Yeah, it was a new, you know, avenue that they took. We, we, you know... Um, talked about it in our in our first news segment today. The the milk toast response from you know the RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel calling for the parties to come together while the Democrats are and the progressives are pushing division. I think we're way past that. And I'm not talking about getting into any kind of physical altercation, but the time for bipartisan politics in this country is over. We've seen what happens when a president is in office who really has. The country as the sole focus of of what his success and legacy rides on, and then you switch that over with someone who's been, you know, inserted and insert in a regime to where none of the people are are qualified to do their jobs. They're all essentially, uh, you know, virtue hires, and and we're at a point right now to where there isn't a, one part of this country where anybody's winning right now, and it's so sad to say, and in almost of my fifty years of life to have seen it get this bad, you know, and uh, I really appreciate you lending commentary on that and uh you know the fact of the matter is we we need to get you back soon because we like to have you in for our news related shows even though you've worked on this massive project right now that's going to be informing so many of our listeners today listen i'll just say you're completely right it isn't a bipartisan system uh at all this is clearly a unit party uh with the odd patriot brave patriot warrior like mtg and some people like that who are fighting very, very hard, but there's a reason why I came up with the term Aino, you know, instead yes. of Rhino. And it's uh, Americans in name only, uh, which these people are. And people have, uh, have taken to that term. Uh, so I might have to trademark it, I guess, at some point. <laughs> people should use it. These people are Anos that are, <laughs> that are purporting to serve, uh, their constituents, but are actually doing everything to harm them and to erode American sovereignty. And we, I mean, as you said, we can go on to so many things and foreign aid and all the different ways they're doing that. But uh, yeah, utilizing the national security apparatus and turning it inwards 
as uh, they've been doing for years, but now it's just so blatant and in the open is certainly one of them. Oh, it certainly does. And that's why we're going to be looking forward to having you back at some point in the very nearest of futures. Ren, let's get some of our listenership dialed in to where they could find you. Uh, number one, where we could find the book. Number two, your social medias. And uh, we'd be looking to have you back at some time too. Maybe after the documentary is released, we can uh, direct our listenership to, to follow it. And then we'll uh, have you back for some color commentary. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, the, the documentary is due out in October now. Um, so not too long, about a month or so. Um, so the book you can get, if you're in the U S the best place to get the book is directly from the publisher antelope hill. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. It's cheaper there, but you can get it. You can get it also at Amazon Barnes and Noble book depository in the U S uh, it's available from Amazon around the world now as well. .co.uk.ca.de all these different places as well. Um, as far as my uh, social media goes, uh, I my Twitter handle is uh, babygravy9. Don't ask. Um, Love it. And and uh, I've got um, I've actually got a new a new little website with a with the landing page for people to uh, go to. That's rawegnationalist.com, and that has links to all of my. Um, to my books and the magazine and all sorts of other stuff like that, as well as a mission statement. Um, uh, yeah. So, so go to my Twitter page um, for the tweets and there are links from there as well. Yeah. Go to the Twitter page for the tweets, not the bugs. Oh, that is a great website. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Can you slide some over here? Nor my dear, why don't you let our listenership know where they could follow you as well? Mm. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Norbin Laden and uh, my website is norbinladen.com. That's the easiest. And then uh, also I'm on Getter, though I haven't been active so much these, these past few days, also at Norbin Laden. And I have a Truth Social account, but I haven't truthed yet or posted yet, but it's also at Norbin Laden. I'll probably be using that at some point soon. Maybe your first truth could be the uh, tagged share of this show today. Ooh. I like that. Oh, very good idea. I need to log back on and figure it out. Guys, we're going to get you uh, out of here right now, but we're going to be looking forward to having you both back. Massive successes for both of you in combating the World Economic Forum and globalists worldwide. His publication is Man's World. His newest book is The Eggs Benedict Option, and the documentary is coming out in October, the end of Men, from Tucker Carlson. Ren, the raw egg nationalist, and Miss Norbin Laden. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Joining us next on the show today, he's the America First Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in the now battleground state of New Hampshire. He's a retired U.S. Army Brigadier General. He's joining us for the first time. Mr. Don Bolick, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. Thank you. I appreciate all you do. Well, we appreciate you, sir. How's everything going with you? Everything's going great. You know, we just um, had a poll released today uh, by University of New Hampshire uh, and the two polls that you really go by up here is uh, St. Anselm's, which came, which came out a couple weeks ago, and I had a double-digit lead. And this poll, I maintained the double-digit lead and increased my lead to 43%, over 22% to the nearest Republican challenger. It's got me about three points behind Maggie Hassan, uh, Senator Hassan. So, uh, you know, it's looking good going into the, to the uh, primary on the 13th of September. And, uh, you know, I've really been 
campaigning against Maggie Hassan for the last two years on the campaign trail, visiting every uh, city and town in this state, building up a bottom-up grassroots campaign, not focusing on money, focusing on message, focusing on the real problems that Granite Staters are going through with the economy uh, and the inflation and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the energy and the border situation, all these things that are complicating the lives of Granite Staters and Americans and making it worse. You know, we just were warned to get ready for some more pain. Obviously, that's not a solution. And Senator Hassan has just been going down in the polls. She spent over $20 million on ads. I have spent zero. I've gone up. She's come down from 51 to 35% approval rating. So it's looking good. And it's, you know, the American strength agenda, that America first agenda that's, that's really underpinning my American strength agenda up here in New Hampshire and uh, the MAGA support and all of this stuff combining now is just really the momentum because people are hurting. I apologize for one of my dogs going nuts because somebody is walking by the front door. Uh, Barra is a retired uh, military working dog, explosives dog, so she keys on everything. Nice. Um, and uh, she's got three tours in Afghanistan, so she's a veteran too. Oh, it seems like, uh, yeah. your well, whole She fa- can bark all she wants. Yeah, your whole family is uh, all about serving the American people. You know, you mentioned a couple of things right now that uh, – that really resonate with a lot of the candidates we bring on here. They're all America first and they're all out there working hard grassrootsly to uh, develop a ground game, meet with the hardworking men and women, the blue collar families who are most affected by these America last agendas that the current administration has implemented. Now the current Senator there, your opponent has been complicit in, you know, implementing all of these horrible policies on the people that work there. And as we're getting ready to head into the fall and then into the winter, Empty shelves, the rising inflation, and then energy costs are things that are really going to absolutely be crushing them heading into the midterm elections. Regardless of how many victory laps the, the Biden administration wants to take with the, with the fake hype that they're having for the, for the policies that they're getting through, uh, it seems like the ones that are going to matter at the ballot box are the ones that you're talking about. How are the families reacting to you when you're getting out there and really spreading that message about, you know, comprehensive solutions that you can bring to the Senate after the midterm elections? Well, they're really responsive to it. And, and to be quite honest with you, you know, the, they're angry, right? Uh, and they're confused as to why this is happening to them uh, because they've worked hard all their lives. They've done nothing but keep their nose to the grindstone, try to raise their families, uh, you know, build strong communities. And now, in, you know, given all the lockdowns and all the things that took away our rights and all the bad things that happened during COVID, we follow that up with an administration that just makes bad policies one after another. And of course, Biden-Hassan uh, combination has just crippled Granite Staters. And I sit with moms and I gotta tell you, these moms are tough, they're dogged, they, they, they're looking for ways to help their families. They're, you know, they're, they're cutting uh, expenses everywhere they can to put three meals on the table. And I sit there, I hold their hands, I sit with them and they're, they're angry and, and they want a change. And, you know, I often get uh, categorized as an angry candidate and uh, I'm angry too. I mean, my family, my sons lost their business, lost their jobs. They all had to move in. We had our grandchildren in here. We had, you know, 11 people living in our house and, mm-hmm. and the mandate in New Hampshire was you could not, 
you couldn't have more than 10 during COVID living in your house, but Hey, I'm sorry. I have 11 family members. So, uh, you know, we got to do what we got to do to, to uh, help our families and, you know, the government telling us what to do, how to do it, when to do it is, uh, you know, something that they don't like. And, and the point that I make to them that really resonates is you have people now that were elected officials at the local state and federal level. And these officials have made your life miserable, not only during COVID, but now. And now they're standing in front of you and they're saying, hey, you know, uh, not even acknowledging what they did, not even taking any accountability and responsibility and telling the truth and being transparent. But, you know, with some sort of expectation that, hey, it's election season. Why don't you vote for me again? And some of them want to be voted into positions of higher responsibility. And this is absolutely crazy. And people of New Hampshire don't like it. They see career politicians as the bane of their existence with this, with this little triangle of power they've created in Washington, D.C., with special interest lobbyists, corporations, a, uh, you know, a, a media you know, that, that deceives and doesn't tell the truth. And then finally, wealthy political elites that finance their reelection. And people are tired of that. They're looking for a political outsider, someone that's demonstrated public service their whole life and is going to go down there and work for the people of New Hampshire and not for the establishment or any one individual down there. So there's pain, there's anger, and they want change. And I think one of the biggest things that probably resonates with them is when you go out there and talk about the solutions and, and fighting back against this current agenda. I mean, you talked about stuff stemming all the way back from COVID and how it negatively affected the communities, your family directly. Uh, you're not like one of those politicians who are coming and saying like, oh, it's the Republicans. Oh, it's the Democrats. Oh, it's the president. You're like, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how my kids lost their business. Let me tell you how I had almost a dozen people living in my house during COVID. And, and I know exactly what you're going through. I know about the hurt and pain. And uh, the person on the other side of the aisle right now, the incumbent, she's just not offering any solution she's making it worse no you're right and she's calling me an extremist and a criminal and calling me names you know this is interesting i'll go to a veteran event that she's at and i'm a hero at that event but on the campaign trail i'm an extremist and a criminal for serving my country for loving my country for wanting to uh you know re-instill the values and principles and god-given rights in our declaration of independence and fight for and stick up for self-governance and the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and not this behemoth, unlimited government that they've established over the last 40, 50 years, which she's been part of as a state senator, governor, and now five and a half years as our senator. And life has only gotten worse for Granite Staters. And, you know, all I call her is a bad senator who doesn't deserve to be reelected. And I have proof of that, and Granite Staters can see it. Speaking about seeing it, will they be able to hear it in the form of a debate? We know you guys have, a, I think, the latest primary in the country. Uh, but moving forward from that, and then once you guys get into the, to the brief general election time, you guys have to kind of turn it around and get it together before November. Will you guys see each other on the debate stage forum or anything like that? I hope so. Uh, you know, WMUR is usually... You know, it's our only television station here in New Hampshire, News Channel Television and, uh, you know, uh, home-based anyways and out in Manchester. And they usually do the 
do the general election, but I would like to have three, um, three debates, a debate done by, um, you know, an outside agency, like maybe a national debate like Newsmax just did with the Senate candidates, and then a town hall debate where both of us have to get in front of Granite Staters and answer questions, you know, right there, face to face, coffee breath close with the people, and then do the uh, WMUR one, you know, you know, uh, just before the election. And I think if I can have three bites at the apple at her, people are going to see a huge different, huge difference uh, in in both of us, and they're going to see me as not the extremist that her ads paint me as or the criminal because I believe in the sanctity of life from the beginning to the end. And just the experience that I have that dwarfs her experience at the federal level with only five and a half years, I got 33 plus years, private, sergeant, lieutenant, and then to general, commanding thousands of service members in three quarters of the countries of this world and working at the highest levels of our government in Washington, D.C., I can pretty much run circles around her national security-wise. And, you know, her performance on the Homeland Security Committee has been dismal, right? Look, she's terrible. She sits on the Cyber Committee, terrible. She sits on the Supply Chain Committee, terrible. She sits on the Veterans Committee, terrible. We have the highest suicide rate, homeless rate, unemployment rate, uh, incarceration rate of our of our veterans and she thinks she's doing a good job patting her on the back. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm a veteran. I get my care at the VA. I live and breathe, uh, you know, with veterans, you have no clue. And, and the fact that you're patting yourself on the back and putting together, you know, a seven person veteran coalition, which she rolled out yesterday, um, doesn't even cut it. It's uh, it's show uh, it's political theater and we're tired of it. Yeah, and I think the American people are too. You know, having all the America First candidates on here, there are so many who have come across the program over the last year and a half since we really started tracking and hosting a lot of the candidates on here. The the military component, veterans, and, and especially special operator community, which you're also a part of, uh, seems to be really resonating with the American voters, the ability to lead, to be in some of the most stressful situations, and, and I'm believe me, I'm really undercutting it there, that you could, you know, possibly human imaginable, and then, you know, bringing that to a leadership component to serve in the Senate. We've seen people like, uh, well, Eli Crane's a, a frequent guest on this show out in Arizona, too. He's, he's the Republican nominee there. And, of course, Joe Ken comes on this show every couple weeks to give us an update. He's another one as well. You know, his family made the ultimate sacrifice while they were fighting ISIS over in Syria in 2019. And then yourself, the, the ability to not only have gone up and have served, you know, post 9-11 through the military and rise to the ranks of general. And now you're looking to bring that leadership uh, to the U.S. Senate in the fall. So I, I think it's one of the big things that's really resonating with the voters uh, I, because what we're lacking right now, when you look at the, the just the global stage, we've got leaders all over the world either being elected out or they're stepping down. Uh, we've seen, you know, it was, we just marked the one-year anniversary of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now we're starting to see the green zone in Iraq is, uh, you know, falling to extremists there as well. And uh, then when you bring it back to, to, you know, the states, we have the open border, you know, and the economy and, and the energy crisis and stuff like that. You parlay all that together. I think Americans just want to go home at the end of the day and be like, I might not, you know, love who's in office, but I know that I'm safe that, you know, we have decent leadership up there right now. And I think that's what the uh, what's really made New Hampshire come into play. Like you said, she was up around 50 percent when you entered this race. And now you guys are essentially I'm looking at the polls. You guys are in the margin of error and you, we still have a month and a half until the election. That's correct. And, 
you know, you made, you made a good point there. Over the last 40, 50 years, you know, God has been removed from the public square to the detriment of all of our institutions. And, you know, my tenants are God, family, community, country. It's something that was instilled in me my whole life. My parents, my grandparents working on our family farm, uh, you know, dairy farm, produce farm, meat farm. You know, we did it all, maple syrup. And uh, to watch that all go away because of, uh, you know, government regulation and all this other stuff that destroyed family farms across our country. It's terrible. Uh, New Hampshire doesn't even come close to achieving its agricultural potential. And we should. And we, we could be feeding plenty of people. And, and you know, we could be offsetting uh, the terrible, you know, prices uh, through farm stands at much reduced prices if we would just capitalize on the ability to, uh, you know, produce agricultural but every single one of our institutions, education, justice, political, uh, economic, financial, uh, military, are all being decimated by, uh, you know, by these uh, ideas and these concepts that are contrary to our purpose document, which is the Declaration of Independence. And so, you know, what you see is you see a fundamental breakdown in our communities. You see a fundamental breakdown in our families. And when that happens, we're in big trouble. And I want to go, but my vision is to, is to bring God back into the public square, to strengthen the family, to strengthen our communities, to build a better country, to get the government out of the way, to reduce the size of the government and to do much better at letting people live their lives unfettered, by a government and, a, and corporations and everybody else that gets in their way. It's just absolutely unnecessary. It's not the American way. And the only way we're going to be able to change that is put people down there to do it. And in 1973, 73% of Congress was veterans. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a veteran to serve in Congress. But what I am saying is commensurate with, with uh, 40, 50 years ago, removing God from the public square. Yep. Um, undermining our education institution, undermining our family institution. Everything has dropped. Quality of education, quality of family, quality of, you know, 18% of Americans approve of, of, of Congress. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm surprised it's that high. But now we only have 17% of veterans inside our, uh, inside our Congress. And so with the drop in veterans goes the drop in this idea of public service and the increase of this idea of self-service and that they matter more than we do and we work for them. And in the military, that's not the way we do it. Leaders eat last. Leaders don't operate at the expense of their people. Leaders put it out there for their guys. They protect them. They work for them. And this is not how they see themselves and it's hurting America and we can see it right now out in our communities because people are hurting. Yeah, they certainly are. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that nowhere else you can get it leadership component that you guys are all bringing to, you know, your uh, primary seasons right now heading into the general election that I think really separates you guys from a lot of the people who are running on the other side of the aisle. General, we want to be able to direct our listenership out of state people who are going to contribute to your campaign after hearing you lay out some of your platform on the show today and then all those in-state people that are living in New Hampshire that haven't had the opportunity to jump on board with your campaign and get them out knocking doors and working these events with you heading into, uh, well, the primary and then the general election season. So if you want to give us your social medias and your campaign website, we'll live link them in the show description today. 
Sure. So you go to my website, www.donbaldick.com, and you can do whatever it is you want to do there. If you're in New Hampshire, you can sign up to volunteer. You can, you know, you can uh, donate. Uh, I realize this is a tough economic time, but anything helps. I'm going against a big machine, but I'm focused bottom up, uh, grassroots. And that's really been perplexing to everybody that I've been able to do it without having all this money and without accepting this money from the establishment and from uh, special interests and from lobbyists and from all this stuff. I've, I've stayed away from that. And it's, it's, uh, it's the way we're going to roll and we're going to show a different thing. So uh, Facebook, go to supporters of General Baldick. Uh, you can go supporters General Baldick. Uh, you can get there. Uh, please sign up for the page. We'd love to have you on that page. Uh, and at Jen uh, Don Baldick on Twitter. Uh, and you can, you know, you can uh, join there as well. You can follow there. Um, but we need your help. We, we are in it together. It's we the people. It's the only pronoun we should be focusing on other than when you say the Pledge of Allegiance, and that starts off with I. But we have to come together. We need to make the change. And if we do it together, we can lead this country in a better direction and get it back on track consistent with our founding documents. Absolutely, sir. We're going to look to have you back after the primary season and the small window you have before the general election. But we wish you the best of luck and health continued on the campaign trail. And like I said, we'll be looking to have you back at some point real soon. You too, my friend. Both of you. Thank you so much for what you do. Thanks for delivering the message about America First and uh, and MAGA and getting this going. Um, we, uh, I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me on, and my best to your listeners. Yeah, we appreciate you, sir. This is the America First Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate, now battleground state of New Hampshire. Don Boldick, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a congressional candidate running in Arizona 4, America First, turning back to the show after his big primary win. Mr. Kelly Cooper, thanks for joining us back on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? I mean, first of all, congratulations is in hand. You guys had a pretty hard-fought primary out there in Arizona 4. I've been reading it a little bit up online. It seems like it's in the uh, top quarter of most flippable districts in the country right now. And uh, looks like it's become a battleground house seat in a battleground state. You want to let our listenership know about, uh, you know, your primary success? Yeah, absolutely. So we had, uh, first, we had a five-way primary. Uh, some very talented people in that primary. Uh, I am blessed to have come out on top of that race. Uh, but we get to move on and move forward in uh, a general election against, you know, uh, what can best be described as a big city mayor with big city liberal policies uh, trying to represent, um, you know, small town America in our uh, uh, four in our four communities, basically. Now, this guy probably has some, you know, people know who he is, but at the same time, based on the last couple times you appeared with us on the show, you've been a pretty big staple in the community for quite some time. Not only have you created jobs there, but when we were forced with lockdowns and stuff during the pandemic, you were serving your community and had a lot of face time with the hardworking men and women who live there. And I think a lot of that, you know, rolled into the success you had in your primary campaign. Looking at a head-to-head matchup in the general election, uh, what's it looking like right now as far as uh, you and him? Uh, well, I think it's looking great, to be honest. Um, you have a two-term sitting congressman uh, running in a district that is not his any longer. Uh, the city of Phoenix is drawn out, so 
Uh, the mix is registration even at 32% with 34% independent. And, uh, you know, I think the message is really gas groceries on the border. It's talking about what's really at the kitchen table and how that's impacting folks' lives. Uh, Greg, again, is a big city mayor uh, that's instituted big city policies uh, over a long period of time. And we see where those have led to. They've led to massive inflation, uh, reckless spending, and rising crime. Yeah, you know, when you uh, – we, we conversate a lot with the majority of the Arizona ticket on this show. Uh, they're always cycling through. And, and besides, I, I like the top of your campaign right there, the gas, groceries, and border, because those are the hugest issues. But when you talk about a big city mayor trying to implement big city policies into, uh, you know, a place like uh, where you're at in Arizona, you've also seen crime, uh, homelessness, and – well, the drug ec- epidemic that's going on right now in Arizona really get out of control since the pandemic. And uh, it's probably some of the things that are very concerning to the constituents that live there. Oh, it's massive. Uh, look, I'll, I'll tell you a story. My son, uh, you can guess, but I'll just tell you, my son's favorite candy is Skittles. <laughs> you know what else Skittles is known for now? Oh, yeah. Candy fat mom. Yep. So as a father... Uh, and many of the mothers and fathers in this district. How do you reconcile something like that? How do you how do you how do you process that uh, your son's favorite candy is now become known and tied to one of the most deadly epidemics in the history of our nation and the world? Um, it's it's massive, and we've, I think in the last two weeks, millions of pills have been ca- caught not being smuggled across the border, being smuggled through the ports of entry. Yeah. So how many more of those pills are making it across the border uh, with uh, the people that are flooding our, into our nation? Well, the Department of Homeland Security, you know, puts out a thing every year that says we catch between 5 and 10%. I think that's a high number, to be honest with you. And uh, Especially now. Yeah, with the way the borders are looking now. Well, uh, I, saw on, I saw on the news the actual border stats of, of seizures and stuff like that, and it is, comparatively, it is, I mean, if we're catching 5 and 10% back then, we're catching 1% and 2% now. Yeah, and then you see age demographics, high school age kids, double digits, and then the age demographic right above them, 18 to 33, especially in Arizona. Carrie Lake pointed it out on our show last month, uh, almost up to 10% increase since 2019. So not only are we seeing a lot more people get addicted to these drugs, but even more young people dying from them uh, inadvertently in, in most cases. And uh, it's definitely one of the things that you see a lot of people who are running in border states campaigning on. Absolutely. So we, we know Arizona's kind of weird. Uh, they have forums. They schedule debates. It seems like candidates pick and choose on whether or not they want to show up to them. It turns out to be like a stump speech in some cases because you'll have, you know, candidates not showing up. As far as, like, uh, moving forward with your schedule right now and, and headed into the back end of the summer and into the fall, uh, what is it looking like as far as, like, having a debate? And, and where are you going to be on the road out in the community? Oh, man. Um, I, I'm starting with my day uh, about 6.30 in the morning. I get my kids ready for school and take them. 9 to 5 or 6 o'clock, I'm doing fundraising phone calls both nationally and locally. And then 5 o'clock until about 11 o'clock, I'm out at two or three events every night. Uh, so, you know, on September 11th, I'll be carrying the flag around Tempe Town Lake. Um, this coming Monday, I'll be serving veterans uh, at a veterans appreciation event. Um, tonight, uh, I have, um, uh, a meeting, uh, in Phoenix tomorrow. I have a fundraiser in Scottsdale. Um, we're all over the place. Uh, 
we're doing knocking doors on Friday night and Saturday morning with the young Republicans. Um, but on my website, kellycooperarizona.com, you can find our calendar of events uh, and you can come out and hang out with us uh, at the different things that we're putting on. Nice. And do you think you'll have a forum or debate with your uh, opponent before the general election? You know, to be honest, I'd love to. Uh, Greg voted to uh, block Title 42 from being brought to the floor. He voted by proxy from his vote. Uh, he's involved in every bit of reckless spending. Um, he voted to withhold federal funds from the state if we didn't reinstitute a mask mandate uh, from the federal side. I mean, I'd love to be able to get on stage and point out Greg Stanton's record and what he's actually voted for versus what he's telling the people in this district. Uh, I don't think there's anything on the schedule. I don't know if it's going to happen. He, he tends to shy away from stuff like that. And it seems to be a case with a lot of the candidates who are running in Arizona right now. They they go out on their in their television commercials because they're backed with multi million dollars from the DNC and private donors and super PACs, and, oh, and yeah. talk about how they're the best candidate in the history of candidates. But when it comes to facing their their general election challenger and, and opponent on the debate stage or even in a, in a forum where the questions are moderated and uh, you know they can't directly engage with each other, it seems like they want nothing to do with it. Right. Well, Kelly, I think the biggest thing right now, you talked about your big schedule. Uh, we do have a lot of Arizona listeners, and we want to be able to, to help have them help you out as much as they can. So in addition to giving us your campaign website again and your social media, can you let our listenership know both in-state and out, because we know out-of-state donations help out bigly. We always tell our listening audience to get in there and help the candidates that best identify with the America First policies. You're 100% on that. And uh, how can we get people involved in your campaign moving forward? Yeah, that's great. Um, so the, the website is kellycooperarizona.com. You can find the links to all of our socials, and we are represented, I think, everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, uh, all, all of them, Truth Social, all of that. Uh, and then uh, for local, you know, I think our biggest challenge at this point right now is to be able to get, get outside of our, our primary voting base and speak to the independents and the disillusioned Democrats. So let's host some meet and greets in the district and be exposed to uh, some new some new faces and some new voters and making sure that our message has gotten out there. Nationally, it's uh, go to the website and contribute. Um, and I call it contribute, not donate, uh, because it is. It's a movement, and we need people that are going to be on the movement contributing to making sure that we flip this seat. Yeah, that's one of the things we've definitely identified on this show, that this is a, a house seat that we need to flip for America first. I think we have the perfect candidate. Uh, running his campaign out there, and in regards to, you know, getting people involved, it doesn't take much. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars. Right. If you're out of state and in state, go help knock on the door. We talk about it on this show almost every week, and with with every candidate that comes on, ground game, FaceTime, uh, letting the you know independent, walkaway Democrats, and then moderate Republicans actually see and hear your platform. Kelly, you've been a small business owner out there for years. Uh, I, I think it's one of the big components that, that's led to your success so far, and I think it's going to continue to do that up through the general election. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, we'll be looking to have you back at some time between now and October. We'll live link everything in the show description today, and uh, we wish you the best out there on the campaign trail. Yeah, absolutely. Semper Fi. God bless, guys. The America First Republican nominee, Arizona House Seat District 4. Mr. Kelly Cooper, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. What an absolutely great slate of guests we had today. Yeah. Um, can't say enough about the hard work that Ren and uh, Norbin Laden have been doing in regards to bringing well, cultural awareness to the attacks that's been happening on man. Essentially, now it's uh, the reality of it is is more prevalent than ever, 
and uh, you know, for our listenership who was here in Ren for the first time today, and maybe even Norbin Laden, um, you know, absolute treat to have them both in, and we wish them nothing but the continued success and all the endeavors that they're working on the launch of this book, uh, the Eggs Benedict Option, which uh, I'll write a review on, and I'll throw it up on a Substack as soon as I get it. I should get it in a couple days. And then the end of Men documentary from Tucker Carlson Studios. It's set to uh, yeah, launch. Yeah, I'm excited October. about that one. It's going to be a good one. And for all our listenership who have only joined us just recently, um, you know, that was kind of a uh, book-driven piece and commentary by Norbin Laden. But she usually comes in and does the news in the same way that like a Christina Bob or Geisha Montez does and joins us for our news sections of the show. Absolute fire. Go to our Instagram, find her in the show descriptions, listen to one of the old episodes, and you'll really be looking forward to when she comes back. Um, and then the America First candidates, I mean, it looks like New Hampshire being a battleground state and the opportunity to flip that Senate seat there is, is incredible. It was great to host the general for the first time as he's getting ready to head into his primary. And then, of course, Kelly Cooper, who's a big America First candidate who, who really lifted up his entire district uh, throughout the course of the pandemic with his small business, um, the food services that he provided, the jobs he provided, uh, staying open and, and taking care of the neighborhoods there in, in the district he's running in Arizona for. You, you can't match it. And uh, as, as we said, it's being reported as a top five flippable seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, and Kelly Cooper has to win uh, that seat. Looking like he might be getting the Trump endorsement soon. Top five, top one? Top five, top ones. So let's make it that Arizona four. Uh, jumping back into the news right now, what we've tabbed as, via our latest Substack Affidavit Gate, Cash actually dropped it on Big Head Charlie Kirk shows yesterday. Nice. So thanks for that, Cash. Um, you know, this thing is kind of rolling along. Uh, we, we, we saw that Trump was looking to get the special master to oversee all the documents that the FBI seized, to which the Department of Justice has replied that, you know, They've already been reviewing the documents, so there might not be a need. They don't want to provide oversight on themselves because it's going to be harder to get to the bottom of this. Uh, know this. We are in the newest chapter of the ongoing Russiagate scandal and unmasking people like absolute hero Cash Patel mm -hmm. uh, was this regime's latest attempt to delegitimize the movement that we're currently in. Um former guest of the show and, and someone who will be joining us again in September, former uh, Attorney General for the United States, Matt Whitaker, was on Newsmax yesterday and was providing some commentary on this. And before I get into that, I just got like, so here's the thing. I was texting Cash live during Charlie Kirk's show yesterday where I texted him on the commercial and I said, hey, listen, we just dropped the Substack. It's uh you know, called Affidavit Gate, you should drop one on his show, to where he, it, it was pretty funny, we were going back and forth in the morning, uh, Cash went and read the substack and was like, hey, it, is that part in the affidavit, uh, the part where it labels me a, a FOPOTUS misinformation-er? And I said, yes, it's actually on page 53. I believe he's first unmasked on page 19, so I don't know if he personally made it that far. To that far yeah but i i sent it to him and it was in reference to the breitbart article uh that cash said is going to be an essential component to this whole investigation uh, at the end of the day where he's talking about the documents that were brought to mar-a-lago were had already been declassified by the president of the united states we're going to get into that whole narrative but it, it was just pretty interesting to like be in real time i i i was i thought at first like cash was thinking i didn't 
like not to spin it, but like frame it the right way to where like he he just thought that title might have been a little taboo or inflammatory. But then I said, if you just read the next paragraph, it talks about how this was a desperate attempt by the DOJ to kind of delegitimize all the work that you've been doing for the president. And he, he actually understood it and, and, and thought it was pretty cool. So remember his commentary on this whole thing was, was blow the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at. But circling back to our first audio piece here, the, the, the former attorney general to the United States in the Trump administration, Matt Whitaker is giving some commentary on uh, the department of justice and how their angle right here is like, literally no matter what, we've got to get Donald Trump. Let's hear it. This is the concern that I think a lot of uh, fair-minded, honest Americans have, which is, you know, it just appears that the Department of Justice is trying to get Trump no matter what. You know, we went through the Mueller investigation. I mean, there's so many other, uh, you know, sort of challenges uh, to his presidency. And now, you know, we have this uh, situation, which, you know, if you read recent reports, it may just be about uh, the Kim Jong-un letter uh, and maybe Obama's letter uh, when he took office in 16 uh, after Obama left. And, you know, if that's the case, if this is really uh, something that could have been resolved and should have been resolved, um, you know, short of executing a search warrant and having all of the hue and cry uh, that has happened since and all of the unnecessary uh, leaking and, you know, all, all of the issues that have surrounded this. I just think, you know, this is putting the American people through a lot more pain and suffering. Yep. Um, you know, with record high inflation yeah. and everything else going on, it just seems that they could focus their attention elsewhere, including on rising violent crime in our major cities. Mm-hmm. Is- Which is something that Mr. Attorney General touched on with us and, and is extremely passionate about. Uh, the historically important cities throughout the country, D.C., New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and places like that, Chicago, um, that are just absolutely and virtually unlivable right now. And, and how the defund the police movement, which started during the Obama administration and has been doubled down on since, uh, you know, Joe Biden assumed office, um, is one of those things where it's such a bigger component uh, of things that, uh, you know, are more important than what's going on right now in, in executing a fake raid uh, on the on the, the just the last president of the United States. So, you know, KJP wasn't going to be able to get away from the podium yesterday without getting peppered on this. Uh, they had put out some statements over the the weekend regarding the affidavit gate narrative, and she was uh, going to be taken to task by quite a few reporters. Um, the first clip I've got of her yesterday is talking about the declassification process and although there are probably more appropriate routes and avenues to to get declassifications done from what i've been told and how i understand it like jesus did the water to wine donald trump could pretty much wave his hands over the documents and say declassified and that's where we're at um you know and that's all incorporated into our newest Substack. if you haven't read it shared it and subscribed to it yet join the almost 4,000 subscribers we've got I believe before the show started today affidavit gate was uh, north of 1400 reads so at least that narrative's getting out there today uh, but let's hear the White House press secretary kind of skate around the issue on uh, presidential declassification powers what do you think about that Noah make it so there's been a lot of confusion, wondering if you can shed any light on this question of whether this White House uh, or this president believes that a president has the ability to declassify 
classified documents simply by saying so. Mm -hmm. We've been clear. We want to be very careful here, <laughs> uh, as you know. Um, we're just not going to speak. It is really the question that you're asking me is related to everything that is happening currently right now mm. uh, with the Department of Justice and even ODNI. As they, as I said, we're aware of the letter. We did not have any advanced knowledge of the of the letter. Uh, right now, we are at this time. We're just not going to make comments on any questions related to this, any underlying questions, any content uh, that is related to uh, what we're currently seeing that the Department of Justice is independently working on. Uh, an investigation that is independent and uh, we're just not going to comment at this time. So they're setting up Merrick Garland as the fall guy here, but as the listener and someone who might not be in tune with everything that's going on regarding this situation, you may have only seen it on TV or heard commentary on, you know, certain shows or podcasts you listen to. Uh, there is no way that the U S justice department and the attorney general of the United States authorized through a judge and sent the FBI down to Mar-a-Lago to conduct a raid of the president who was in office 19 months ago without anyone in the White House knowing about it. That is an unequivocal lie. Whether it was White House legal counsel, whether it was uh, top assistant Ron Klain, whether it was pseudo-president of the United States Susan Rice, somebody in the Biden White House had to be made aware of this. It is so unprecedented. It has literally never happened before. If they were going to do this on a Monday morning at 9 a.m. to start the work week with those poll numbers and all the America last shit that they've got going on and are fighting back against right now, and you think the Justice Department and Merrick Garland are going to unilaterally conduct this raid on Mar-a-Lago and the White House knew 0% about it, you need your head examined. Facts. Mm. They would talk about things related to the raid specifically um, and things tied to the National Archives, which is, I guess, where a lot of the some of the component that they're trying to push. You know, I really hope they don't go for Mar Merrick Garland having to step down and have the administrator for the National Archives be the fall guy or gal for this. But uh, let's hear her kind of skirt around this issue as well. I wanted to drill down on, on the degree to which there was White House involvement in the Trump documents story earlier this year. And last week we learned that the archivist, the acting archivist of the United States approached the White House counsel and a determination was reached here to allow the acting archivist to make a determination with respect to executive privilege. Mm -hmm. can you, what more can you tell us about that and why the de determination was reached to, de to defer? that to the, to the archivist. So the, the letter from the National Archivist and the search are completely different. As we've been very clear about that. They're not the same. And so just want to restate that. The recently published letter from the archives is not about the search and in fact underlines how closely the president has honored his pledge to restore the independence of the Department of Justice concerning investigations. Uh, if you read the letter, you'll see that the way we were able to defer. Uh, it shows that DOJ made a request for access to an older set of documents independently, and the White House affirmed it, which is standard, nothing unusual there. And when former President Trump attempted to assert executive privilege to block uh, the FBI from assessing the document, President Biden deferred to the National Archives uh, and the DOJ Office of Legal Counsel on mm. the issue. So again, we deferred uh, that decision. So this, the decisions here have been made by the National Archives and the Department of Justice uh, Department. 
just to clarify, you're saying that President Biden himself was personally approached and he made the decision himself? Well, I'm saying is the White oh. House uh, was uh, uh, there. We are the ones that were able to defer, which is we affirmed, which is normal, nothing unusual. We deferred to the uh, to the National Archives and the Department of Justice legal office. and. We let them make the decision. It was not made here. We deferred it so that they can make the decision. But just to pin it down, it, it was, are you saying that it was not the president himself who arrived at the decision, or, or that the president himself made the decision? Well, what I can tell you is the White House affirmed it. I can't. I, I, I've been asked this question: Who specifically? I can tell you the White House here on this campus. The White House actually affirmed it and also deferred it. Now, that same press conference, almost back-to-back -back questions. Um, so, so what they're trying to do is now we know the, the timeline for this started all the way back in like 2021 when the Trump White House sued the January 6th committee. And that's what kind of got this ball rolling, um, because when they went to dig in for documents that they wanted to use directly related to what happened on January 6th, they realized that Donald Trump had removed some of those documents and brought them down to Mar-a-Lago with him. Um, and she's trying to spin it at as that point, like in the infancy of the Biden regime, they were approached by the Justice Department and the National Archives to raise concerns. And uh, whatever it means by saying the White House affirmed it over and over again is essentially the route that they're using as a deflection because they're saying they basically kicked the ball uh, over to the Justice Department, and what started with... Yeah, we back-channeledly suggested they do this, then they did it, and then we said, good, you did it. Yeah, they're making... And that's it. it. They're, they're making it seem like what started oh, as... Oh, no, a, it wasn't us. It wasn't our idea, no. You should look into this ended with the raid at Mar-a-Lago, which... There's a lot of components in between Didn't somebody that. just get walked out of the FBI? They did. So one of the top-ranking FBI agents uh, who was assigned to be the lead analyst on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Analyst? Analyst. <laughs> he might be a ano. American in name only. <laughs> so that's one of those lines that, uh, or acronyms that Norbin Laden has made her own. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, is that he was walked out of the FBI uh, D.C. field office yesterday in what looked as it might have been a firing or put on paid leave ship. Well, you don't get walked out unless your ass is grass. Yeah, like, I mean, like walked out carrying your own box mm. versus walked out escort. Like there's there's two different ways to get walked out. Not clear. On I've never been walked out yet. of anywhere, but I, f I feel like. You could probably tell the difference. You haven't been walked out of anywhere yet. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we, we did see that um, as some shaking ups that are kind of going on at the Justice Department right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that these things that started with the inquiry into the January 6th materials and ended uh, with the raid at Mar-a-Lago there is a huge component of this missing and even larger disconnect that we uh, don't have the answers to yet. So we have to continue to track this and, uh, you know, find out how much of the chain the Biden administration stayed in. Because remember, someone in the White House knew that this was going down. Uh, there were reports day of the raid that there was, as it was coming across the newswire, celebratory behavior going on in, in the West Wing. So... 
it, it's one of these things, um, you know, that we just have to continue to track and, well, in, in a way that's not fake news like they have going on at MSDNC. Uh, perpetual racist and never Trumper Nicole Wallace had a panel on talking about this the other day. And it seems like the legacy media has an enormous hard on for, and remember, we told you about this, the focus of pending criminal investigations and possible indictments are two of the quotes that you're going to hear through the midterm elections and probably till the cows come home. Uh, but, but the legacy media, even some components on both sides, are, are saying that, uh, you know, the, this is definitely going to happen and, and Donald Trump will be indicted. Let's hear them just kind of skew the narrative to meet their own needs right now. I mean, Andrew, Frank is almost describing a parallel probe that resembles the Mueller probe. I mean, mm. the, 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 the original national security question. We all know how that ended. Of coordination of, of mission and tactics with Russia and then obstructing the very probe looking at that question. Well, there, there are those two pieces. Um, I do think that one way to look at the obstruction uh, might be simpler, which is uh, simply the statements that were made by the Trump team to the National Archives saying that they returned everything. And they're repeating that statement uh, through counsel uh, to the Department of Justice when we know for a fact that that was at the very least inaccurate. Um, and there's reporting that it, it was intentionally so, um, that the president deliberately withheld things. I think Frank is flagging an important issue that prosecutors deal with uh, when you're deciding whether to prosecute. And there is actually a law that was created called SEPA, where you try and deal with this issue of not allowing a defendant in a case just like this to blackmail uh, the government into a uh, better resolution. Um, I have to say, my when I read this today, my big overarching takeaway is, and I know this is just a prediction and speculation, but I'd say it's an educated one, is that of the former is. president is going to be prosecuted. Oh, God. Um, mm, I, no. I don't see how you cannot, given this information, not just that it's so clear that there is an active, thorough investigation and just how much was done here, but when you compare it to precedent, we compare it to uh, General Petraeus, which happened when I was at the bureau, and I think Frank was at, may have been at the bureau as well. Um, it is this what we are seeing is so much worse, both in terms of uh, the volume, the length of time, uh, and then the um, sort of repeated obstruction uh, and false statements that were made. I don't see if you're somebody like Merrick Garland, who is a former judge who thinks about precedent, about treating like defendants equally. I don't see how you avoid that conclusion in this case. Mm -hmm. So I would like to think that there's no way that any prose prosecution or anything like that's going to go anywhere, but the way that we've seen the weaponized DOJ, the weaponized legal system, like who knows what they're going to do? Like I know it's not going to hold any water, but they're going to do any and all things that they can to invalidate his potential run for president again. Yeah, and uh, but you hear the politiporn that they're spewing onto their minor viewership in regards to, and, and you have to hear, I mean, he's like, oh, it's completely speculatory, and, uh, you know, I'm just hypothesizing here, but it is an educated guess. And I don't see how the U.S. Justice Department and Merrick Garland doesn't prosecute Donald Trump. 
I think we need to go back to the root causes of this problem and uh, where it actually came from. Um, I pulled a clip all the way back from, I believe, 2019, uh, talking about some of the stuff that was swirling around um, the current Attorney General of the United States and uh, someone who suggested he be the uh, director of the FBI after James Comey was disposed. No, this might surprise you. Let's hear it. I doubt it. Senator McConnell is weighing in on who he thinks should be FBI director. Take a listen to this. Yeah, actually, I have spoken with the president about it. I recommended Merrick Garland. Mm. Mm. Might surprise some people. Yeah, it may surprise people, but he has a deep background in criminal law. He was the prosecutor in the Oklahoma City bombing case. And I think it would make it clear that uh, President Trump will continue the tradition at the FBI of having an apolitical professional. Aged marvelously. Mm. Apolitical law professional. Apolitical. Like... Apolitical or apolitical? I like it. <laughs> there, there's a comma or a semicolon in the there somewhere. Emphasis on the wrong syllable. So, not yet. Mitch McConnell is out there, present day, 2022, bitching about how Donald Trump hasn't lined up the most eye-appetizing senatorial candidates for him across the country, even though most of them now are polling well within the margin of error or winning in all of their races. And instead, two and a half years ago, was out, campaigning for Merrick Garland to replace James Comey as head of the FBI. Perfect. So we would have seen this type of behavior, uh, you know, from the Justice Department almost three years ago now, if, uh, you know, he was allowed to even be considered a nomination. I know that... Um, what a garbage pile. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it's just retread after retread. It's like sometimes we have to forget. That's why I always go looking for the stuff to bring it back. Um, frequent guest on the show. He'll be joining us again on the 23rd of September. And uh, unmasked victim of the uh, FBI raid and affidavit was Cash Patel. And he was uh, talking about some of the stuff regarding this whole narrative and, and like, his take on it and stuff that's going on in regards to, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that, we need to take into consideration that you just don't see from the outside. So cash had a lot of death threats and stuff last week when he was unmasked, uh, when the affidavit was released. And I think we can't take, you know, enough of a step back to think about how hard that is as a person to have to go through. Um, you know, Joe Biden goes out and calls our entire base fascists, and then, you know, within hours of those comments, you have the affidavit released. And then the next thing you know, he's receiving death threats. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely disgusting and something that we shouldn't have to stand for. And our whole tie into this is that this is just the next unfolding chapter of the overall Russiagate. All of the people, all the players who are involved are the same. Um, you know, those scumbags who work for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, back in the Obama administration who helped weaponize the agency into targeting the American people all the way up through uh, things like unmasking Cash Patel. Let's hear him uh, weigh in on this and, and, and give his hottest take when he sat down with Big Head. Before you sat on this program, there is zero chance Donald Trump will be indicted. Do you still think that? Yeah. Um, 
look, my general reaction to the affidavit is these guys are going to do every, everything they possibly can to run the same campaign they did with Russiagate. They're going to use the fake news media to put out a disinformation campaign. What they want to do is make Donald Trump not run or make it make him so unpopular through their media disinformation campaign that voters are turned off. Yep. What they've seen in the public is a complete boomerang effect by going in and raiding the home of a president who was cooperating with DOJ and FBI. And if for some reason they choose to go down another extreme unprecedented path and actually charge him, Mm. they might as well be handing him the 2024 presidency because even if he's convicted of the crimes they are alleging, Donald Trump can still lawfully be president of the United States. I just want everybody to keep that in mind. Yeah. You you just can't say it. So I I just want to point out the fact that, and and I'm not saying that like testicular-wise, ours are any bigger than anybody else's, but we were the first news outlet in the country to actually straight up ask anyone, former administration official, not the pundits on MSDNC or meet the fake press, you know, Jake Tapper and all those other morons. We asked cash to his face. uh, Is is the 45th president of the United States going to get indicted for this? Almost reflective or I'm sorry, reflexively. No, like, yeah, it's that quick. Well, there's no, no question in his mind. No. And he's a fucking expert on these kind of things. And it's because they know they did the right thing. Could we see something stem out of this? Because it's obviously the biggest and now longest political witch hunt in the history of the galaxy? Yes. Who knows? Because they could do whatever they want at this point, regardless of whether it's legal or not, as we've seen. But you know what we can't be doing is what forever warmonger and pig face Mm. Lady G. Lindsey Graham said on Trey Gowdy. Uh, when he joined him over the weekend. You'll love this one, Noah. But all members of the House yeah, and Senate so. begin to block off time for state prosecutors going forward. Is that where we are? Well, if we let county prosecutors uh, start calling senators and members of Congress as witnesses when they're doing their job, then you're going to throw uh, out of kilter our constitutional balance here. I've got a good legal case. I'm going to pursue it. But I just want to sort of end in this note. You love the law, I love the law. I've never been more worried about the law and politics as I am right now. Mm. How can you tell a conservative Republican that the system works when it comes to Trump? Look at what happened with Crossfire Hurricane. It was a joke of an investigation. People lied and manipulated the evidence. Look what happened to Hunter Biden. They gave him a complete pass, apparently, and the social media outlets in this country suppressed information that could have mattered. And if they try to prosecute President Trump for mishandling class out, classified information after Hillary Clinton set up a server in her basement, they literally will be riots in the street. I worry about our country. Mm. Yeah. There's probably going to be, but we shouldn't be. We have to uh, take the high road in this. And, you know, as Joe Biden's getting ready to give a primetime speech and really fucking high road now in less than 48 hours, uh, like altitude sickness, high road. Yeah, I know. We're there. It's it's extremely exhausting. But yeah, well, Lindsey Graham just wants more war. <laughs> he would like the, the streets of Kabul, Afghanistan, to look like the streets of New York, although they're doing their best to try and get there sometimes. Mm. Uh, we just can't be having that. Um, we're going to win in the courtroom, and we're going to win at the ballot box. 
and we've never told you otherwise. Um, Joe Biden's going around speaking today. He made some really off-color comments regarding... Uh, that doesn't sound like him at all. Oh, boy. He talked about funding the police, which we know is an absolute lie. Um, Can he, you imagine any of these comments eight months ago? No. Even like, the, their, their base would eat them alive. But it's been long enough where they've forgotten. The buildings aren't smoldering anymore. They're taking pictures of their lunch again. Right. How fast we forget the goldfish mentality. James from We The People Radio, he, he talked about it almost every time he co-hosted with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. That and seatbelts. Seatbelts, too. We've also seen uh, Joe Biden make some creepy comments about a child in the audience. And oh, how, yeah. How he was kind of saddened when the child was. Uh, Too old? Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby, how old are you? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Parlay, Awkward. Parlay that in, in the fact that the NASDAQ composite index has seen its third in a row largest day loss this year. Yeesh. I don't even want to look. Yeah, please don't check your retirements. I have a retirement? Hey, now that you're in the Forklift Drivers Association of oh, America. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm set for life now. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's also talking about, well, much as in line with this show, everything kind of sucks. But yep. don't worry. It's not his fault. You understand what I'm saying after you kind of hear him say this. There's bad in everything. There's lousy senators. There's lousy presidents. There's lousy doctors. There's lousy lawyers. No, I'm serious. No, it's me. But I don't know what I'm doing. Any police officer oh. that feels good about the fact that there may be a lousy cop. Mm. Mm. Literally makes no sense. I don't know if you saw any of the clips from that speaking event he's at right now. So the DNC has officially taken the likeness for Save America and turned it into Safer America signs. Really? Yeah. You can see it. Right. The blue ones. Wow. Yeah. That's where we're at. He also called. Like, uh, they don't think that's a, a gamble because, like, maybe some of their less intelligent base will just see the colors and the shapes and, and be tr- triggered and, by them. And key your car or burn down your house. Stupid. Mm. He also called, I guess he's speaking in Pennsylvania, uh, ahead of the Trump rally this weekend, trying to get ahead of it. He also called. John Fetterman, who wants nothing to do with him, an incredible candidate and articulate speaker. Oh, so articulate. So as we've uh, kind of recapped the weekend for you and are looking to, you know, see what happens the rest of the week, know this. We'll be able to break down any new breaking information that happens regarding Affidavit Gate. Jump on our link tree, find the sub stack. It's shared across all our social medias. Just click the link, give it a give it a read. It's, uh, you know, one that people are, are hailing as an excellent job. And uh, they're going to be coming out about once a week now, so so jump on there and uh, and check it out. Uh, in addition to that, we're going to be hearing and have full commentary breakdown of the Biden primetime pre-recorded event from Thursday. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some clips to bring you that. If if you can't stomach watching it live, or hopefully miss it, it's not going to be live. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, we'll just see what other kind of news develops over the weekend. Wasn't really too busy of a weekend, and that's good because we were able to uh, catch up on some of these narratives that we played in, in both of our news segments today and then kind of lead you guys down the road of uh, where our newest Substack is and uh, how it pretty much ties into everything that's going on. Not a bad way to start the week. What do you think, Noah? Had worse weeks. 
and we're off to a better one. Guys, news is going to be breaking constantly, and we're going to try to get it to you, whether it's on our social media or our two podcasts a week. I'm just seeing right now coming across the wire. The only leader ever of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, ripe old age of 91, passed away today. Rest in piss. Huh. I guess they're finally going to get that mark off his forehead. There you go. If you liked enjoying this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to check out the other 164 of them, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podatic, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patreon Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today, New Hampshire senatorial candidate Don Bullock. Thanks for uh, coming down for the first time. In addition to him, Kelly Cooper celebrating his primary victory in Arizona 4. And what else can you say? Raw Egg Naturalist, Norbin Laden, the new book, The Eggs Benedict Option. Go out, support them, grab the book. Amazing sitting down with them as well. In addition to them are some of our internet friends. Who White Memes, the Patriotic Babes account, Ultra Garbaggio, and Christina Baba Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and support our sponsors because whenever you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Sleep on Mike Lindell. Get the my bed. Enter promo code stake at checkout. Wake up in the morning, throw on a uh, coffee pod of my coffee, and make mornings great again. Enter promo code stake at checkout. Get them on the website. It's my pillow related stuff. It's mypillow.com forward slash steak, or you can grab the coffee at mystore.com forward slash steak. And you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things audio and in studio recording related can be found at Odyssey. These are the most amazing headphones I've ever worn in my life. You got to go out, check out which ones best suit you, make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. Um, let's see what do we got today. Ooh. Probably the raw egg nationalist. Dunking on the globalists as a right wing bodybuilder. We're gonna have to cut up some audio for uh, some of his segment today. But whatever picture you want, they'll throw it on a conceal carry kydex holster and get those orders out faster than ever before stay ready year.com is the website you can find them on facebook and instagram as well man rubs I haven't had anything man rubby yet this week my steak this morning was uh, just salt and pepper there you go but when i do i'm go- since i've bought it shook it i'll sprinkle it rub it in throw it in the cooking apparatus of my choice and then uh several hours later i'll pull it drizzle it in some sauce maybe throw it in a bun and directly into my mouth num 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 oh Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. The website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. You give him a little ring on the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like the gear they've got in their store, and you're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home the zero fuck stuck still don't know whether it's a sticker flag t-shirt or patch treat yourself dumpbox.us you can find them on facebook and instagram too upcoming shows i got no one scheduled for friday yet but as always yeah i'm pretty sure it'll work out but we'll come back next tuesday we got a big one post first rally since the fbi raid commentary we're going to have california house nominee republican california 28 peterman Hernandez is going to be joining us for the first time. 
Jim Bognett, who's speaking at the Trump rally this weekend. Uh, the Republican nominee in Pennsylvania 8 will be joining us as well, and we'll get the actual commentary from the person who usually gives it for the 45th president of the United States. His spokesman, Liz Harrington, will be joining us as well. You really got nobody for Friday? Nobody. You're not just trying to throw off the war room, guys? I pre- <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Next Friday, we've got Christina Bob and Rick Grinnell scheduled so far. It's going to be a banger. We'll come back the following week on 913. Boris Epstein, Clay Clark should be a pretty good start to what will probably be an amazing episode. And looking down the road a little bit, waiting to hear back from Matt Whitaker. Maybe he'll be here on Friday. Maybe Blake Masters on the 23rd of September. We'll be sitting down with our great friend, Cash Patel. Nice. Yeah. So not too bad. Friends of the week, I think we've got right there. Got the list right here in front of me. So our true social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, American Nintendo, Siberian Kitty, and The Burger Man. American Burger Man. Some call me Tim79. Lots of shares this week. We really appreciate you. Now let's jump into some meme-related material. Right Wing Savages 2.0, Real Brenda Memes, Dumbass Photoshop, Grand Old Memes, Mostly Peaceful Memes, The Duke of Memes, The Real Meme DeLorean, Not Far Out, Steven Voiceover, John Hacker LA, and the rest of the Friend Zone meme share. Guys, thanks to remember between now and next week, number one, do your research. You've got some new reading materials that you need to take care of. Get out and get The Raw Egg Nationalist's newest book with a forward by great friend Norbin Laden, the Eggs Benedict option. Subscribe to his uh, quarter annual as well called Man's World. Number two, what do you got? Start a podcast. Not too bad today, right? No. Excellent. Uh, number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We gave you guys over two hours of how America is not doing great right now. We don't talk about it enough. It's time to start talking about it again. Donald Trump's going to be talking about it on Saturday night in Scranton, PA. And last but certainly not least, Let's see what happens. This has been episode 165 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with who knows, because I haven't got anybody scheduled yet. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening and take care. Where we have to go is Nevadalea. That's a made-up word. Who was made up? Nevadalea is real? Seriously? I mean, that place is a legend. They make the most powerful, horrific weapons to ever torment the universe. I would very much like to go there, please. The rabbit is correct, and clearly the smartest among you. Rabbit? Only Eitri the dwarf can make me the weapon I need. Bless you, brother captain, sir. You're very perceptive. You seem like a noble leader. Will you join me on my quest to Nevadalea? Let me just ask the captain. Oh, wait a second. It's me. Yeah, I'll go. Wonderful.